0: Comments made by our guests are their own and cannot be attributed to Tickmill. The content does not represent investment advice or an investment recommendation. Hi and welcome to Bright Minds from Tickmill. I'm your host Patrick Munnerly and in this series we're setting out to answer some of the most commonly asked questions around investment and trading through entertaining and insightful conversations with seasoned insiders. Rapidly advancing technology continues to cause disruption to almost all industries, and the world of investment and finance is no different. The internet and mobile tech has allowed access to markets and information to flourish, leading to vastly increased opportunities for retail investors. Between January 2020 and January 2021, monthly downloads of retail investment apps more than tripled. And since that initial explosion, retail investing is more popular than ever. But access to e-trading apps is not the only big tech-driven change we've seen in recent years. The AI-driven financial advisory market size is set to increase at a compound annual growth rate of 29.7% between 2022 and 2030. And with the rise of AI and so-called robo-advisors, we will undoubtedly see an increase in people entering the markets, as well as the many inevitable changes to finance law, process and regulation as financial institutions try to keep up. We take this accelerated rate of change for granted, but of course, it wasn't always this way. Before the huge advances in technology that we see today, activity and therefore power in the markets was much more concentrated in the major exchanges such as the New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ, and relied much more on human interaction, relationships and instinct. Our guest today, Tickmill UK CEO Duncan Anderson, has seen all these changes firsthand, Duncan's financial training started on the open outcry floors of The Life, LME, and the CME in Chicago, and since then he's gained over 30 years of experience in the financial sector. We'll be discussing the role that technologies such as algorithmic trading, mobile tech, and high-frequency trading have played in revolutionizing the way the industry works. We'll examine the pros and cons of increased reliance on technology, and we'll also take a look into what the future holds for tech in trading. Duncan, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Could you get things started by telling us a bit more about your career so far?
1: So uh, my my first introduction to, I guess, the trading environment came as a sort of a very young 16-year-old working uh, holiday shifts at an old uh, city commodity trading house, uh, which was based in Sugar Key. And I think the name itself sort of you know sort of points to the sort of historical. Um <laughs> <gives> it away. <laughs> um, but that's probably uh, you know one could talk about that for for, for ages. So I'll, I'll save that for another day. But what I what I do remember was you know on the fourth floor they had uh, individuals that were tasting coffee. They were tasting sugar. They were they were sampling other sort of commodities. So all these things were coming through. And the smell was, you know, I, I, I still can't get it out of my mind now, but uh, it was intoxicating. And uh, you could also hear the clatter of the telex machine, you know, spitting out information, people running over to it and saying, oh, my God, you know, there's a... Um, there's a, there's a frost, you know, in Florida or, 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 something like that. And, um, and the noise of, of the individuals sort of, uh, talking and trading and, uh, explaining and, uh, you know, all the, all, all the hustle and bustle of actually sort of phone activated voices. I actually spent quite a lot of time also licking envelopes, uh, and, and some of the prospectuses that were being uh licked so to speak turned out to be for the first uh, billion dollar futures fund wow but I, I you know you mentioned uh you know yeah i worked on these exchanges and uh yeah that included the old life floor and the royal exchange the lme and ultimately sort of in chicago on the cme and that for sure was a pretty noisy experience as well i i, I then went on to sort of set up a, a small little hedge fund uh which ultimately became a sort of fund of funds yeah which very much geared towards systematic trading, right? And uh, on returning to the UK, worked for uh, a well-known uh, CFD uh, house on their US equity desk, and uh, and that led to uh, other opportunities, which ultimately resulted in uh, in the current position where I am at Tickmill.
0: So, um, just as you were you were running through there, Duncan, um, something that came to mind, and in, in terms of how technology has has really shaped the development of the investing and trading world. Um, Your explanation regarding that high level intensity of human reaction or interaction, sorry, um, versus what you eventually got involved in, in terms of the trading side being systematic and obviously, I guess, highly automated. And it's somewhat of a juxtaposition between that high level of human interaction when you started out versus that move into technology and systems and a far more, I guess, regimented approach to investing and trading.
1: Absolutely. And, and I think the type of individual also uh, makes a huge difference because what you might find on, the, on, on a trading floor in the old days, it's not necessarily the individual that you'll find building a, uh, uh, a quant strategy with Python uh, today.
0: A lot of the characters, I guess, once the migration really set in in terms of moving from that open outcry experience to the screens, I guess the industry probably shifted from a a persona dynamic into that more settled environment of development as opposed to the hustle and bustle of of an open outcry trading floor.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I remember certainly... The old life floor on the on the royal exchange which is opposite the uh, bank of england life stands for london international financial futures exchange um that sadly no longer exists but uh it was this sort of most amazing sort of um environment so you couldn't really sort of make it up but it had what we all need and uh is is uh, an area for price discovery and what follows on from the old days is you have exactly the same thing today. Uh, certainly futures markets uh, will use price discovery, even though there is no pit. But there you had sort of, you know, people standing in these sort of, uh, literally, uh, pits where they were yelling and screaming at each other, <laughs> banked by a whole concophony of phones and other individuals signaling into the pit. And runners like me would be, you know, hustling and bustling and uh, (laughs) trying to take orders and uh, get back to the uh, phone receivers. And you were, you know, constantly on your feet trying to ensure that the madness turned out to be actually something that was uh, relatively orderly at the end of the day.
0: (laughs) Um, what do you think, in terms from your perspective over the lifespan of your career so far, what do you think the biggest technological change has been? I mean, you talk about the telephone. I mean, that at some point would have been a major shift for the markets when as opposed to just uh, the exchanging of tickets, moving to the telephone system. And then I guess now thinking about the internet, et cetera, what do you think has been the, the big game changer?
1: I think I, I, on one side, I guess the pit to electronics was A, hard for many of these older traders to adapt to, and they have, by and large, sort of mainly disappeared. What we have now is programmers with the ability, not just able to trade one particular market, but they can trade multiple markets over different time horizons, and this is just as one singular individual. Uh, I mean, it's fascinating from that perspective. I guess from a provider perspective, In the early 2000s, there were roughly three or four main providers, but the barriers to entry were were huge. I mean, uh, the cost of building, uh, cost of uh, servicing was enormous. And again, this was the sort of beginning of the build of platforms that you could actually electronically trade over so the cost there was uh, significant the one sort of uh, outlier was metaquotes mt4 sure. because i mean literally overnight it allowed you or me or any individual who was able to code who was able to uh, create a trading strategy to
0: start competing with uh, you know with the big boys and what do you see as some of the challenges, specifically for yourself as the CEO of a major platform provider? What are some of the challenges in terms of addressing the potential pitfalls for first-time investors, first-time traders? How are Tickmill using their technology to guide traders or potential investors to make better decisions?
1: Patrick, I mean, you This is a really key question, and I think from a from a company perspective. Any trader, the very first thing you do is you, know, you, you want to provide a, you want to find a provider. So you look at balance sheet, you look at longevity, you look at the uh, uh, relationships that uh, the provider has with liquidity providers. Uh, so all round, sort of structure: is it an entity that's going to last? Obviously, with the, being a UK entity, Tickmill UK um, has pretty, you know, sort of rigid and resilient uh sort of environments uh purely because we're regulated by you know one of the sort of you know largest uh regulators in the world most well-known regulators in the world that in many respects it's, it's quite painful but at the same time if you're investing your money you you want to actually ensure that you know that company is going to be around and the regulator does a very good job of ensuring that that actually happens but i guess once you've found a provider the fact that you can trade like a uh, pro like a quant like a like like an institutional player is that uh it it actually then comes down to you so first you 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 really got to understand exactly what you want to get out of this trading opportunity this business yeah and you've got to treat it like a business yeah and you can't really you can't you can't sort of uh bullshit yourself Uh, excuse my french but you you know you have to know what you are getting yourself into, and you want to have to know what you're getting yourself into, um, you've got to create a strategy. You've got to then test it. And of course, uh, we're talking about technology. Th- these are all very sort of easy things to do as well. Uh, you you want to ensure that you protect your capital. Um, so when you actually come to trading, you, you've you only got a finite amount of it, and you've got to know what to risk and what not to risk, and and not deviate from that and i i think probably for me anyway though so the most important thing is is you don't think that you're god on day one um because you will you, you will get cut down it's, uh, it's as simple as that uh, it, you know it trading can be brutal but at the same time it can be the most beautiful sort of uh, exercise as well so i always try and sort of act like i know nothing and research 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 and by acting like you know nothing it actually puts you on a sort of a, a, I think, on a better footfall than actually thinking you know everything.
0: One of the fantastic aspects about the platform access is, like you say, that um, focus initially on backtesting and and stress testing strategies and systems that in. in it, previous decades would have taken a huge amount of resource and, and man-hours to, to execute, yeah. whereas now over, like you say, the MT4 platform that the technical have, or the MT5 platform, or even through these futures um, platforms, you can backtest a strategy w- within minutes and get feedback on the, the performance potential of that strategy. And, and also understand the dynamics in terms of execution and what, you know, how, how that impacts the strategy going forward. And then you have the ability through the platform, obviously, to forward test it with a reduced, potentially reduced amount of capital before applying more meaningful assets to a strategy.
1: Yeah, so the, I, I think the use of sort of demo accounts uh, are vital. Uh, the use of starting small and seeing how it goes, tweaking, and as you say, back test, forward test, perhaps not try to optimize too much. And, and what, I, what I, from a sort of backtesting perspective, you create a strategy, whether it's in your head or on a paper or whatever. And if you then have to program it, or even if you don't have to program it, you can still utilize uh, an Excel spreadsheet. And the concept of the backtest allows you to see how your strategy may have performed in the past. And by doing that, you can cut out a significant amount of potential error when it actually comes to trading real money. So it's a very valuable tool to help a trader refine a strategy that has some resilience and robustness um, going forward.
0: And uh, you made a couple of great points, actually, um, Duncan, that um, i Personally, when I work with with traders, I really try and underpin in terms of when you're looking at automation and backtesting, is this idea of optimization and, and curve fitting? I guess the uninitiated trader wants to make the strategy as perfect as possible, whereas as I guess you know and I know that really simplification is the key to performance, and reducing the amount of optimization often produces a better strategy. Yes, and uh, you you build a strategy,
1: and then there is technology out there that allows you to say, well, if I did this and I did that, then I can maybe get a slightly better result over here. But of course, it it tends to only work for a limited amount of time, if at all, in fact, because you end up building something that never really would work in, in the real world. I don't know if there's a better way of explaining that.
0: No, I think, I think that's, a, that's a great way of explaining it. Because I mean, ultimately, with any, any strategy that you backtest, it, as every financial outlet tells you, past performance doesn't necessarily <laughs> imply future results. Yeah. And so you are ultimately confined by historical data. And as we've lived through just in recent times, a pandemic and inflation spiraling, no one knows what the next market cycle is going to be. So you can only rely to a degree upon that historical data. And if there has been decent performance, then you can anticipate, I guess, decent performance in the future. Whereas if you try to optimize the strategy too much to the historical data, the future data can really send things awry.
1: Yeah. And and that's I mean, that's a a really good point because it it the future will always throw up something that you've never experienced in the past. Maybe apart from a war, but uh, but uh, uh, you know trading through these environments. If you've never actually traded through them, it uh, becomes significantly more difficult. And and of course, the the temptation to to fiddle around is constantly there.
0: Are there any other downsides that you see that can broadly impact investors who are using technology to a greater extent?
1: I guess uh, there are some points where you know tech. Has sort of heightened the uh, herd mentality of traders. We've seen uh, some of these sort of uh, flash U.S. crashes, uh, U.S. stocks going through the moon because a herd mentality has uh, dictated that a hedge fund is not looking after them properly, or or, or trying to trying to push the market down. But I, I've always believed that sort of in general, the market itself will find some sort of equilibrium. But getting to that point. It, definitely, uh, tech has created these uh, inflection points that that a trader really needs to be wary of. So, you know, interpreting what the market's going to do probably has become more difficult uh, as there are you know a number of new variables that that you need to process. HFT, high frequency trading, is uh, I mean that's away from the sort of normal sort of capability of traders uh, like yourself and I, Patrick. But again, we have to be aware of them, you know, especially if you're starting out and you're wondering why on earth, you know, something major, I mean, the market's moved in in the way it has. We absolutely need to be aware of these things that do happen.
0: Duncan, thank you so much for your time today. Um, Just for the the audience and listeners, is there anywhere that they can go online maybe to follow you?
1: I have a LinkedIn profile. Uh, I'm also on the Tickmill blog uh, in some shape or form and very happy to take uh, uh, and speak to anyone from an email perspective i know it's old school i'll even pick up the phone for someone
0: as well so fantastic once again duncan thanks for your time today
1: many thanks indeed
0: thanks to duncan we now have a vivid picture of how much the world of trading has changed in such a short space of time from trading houses where buyers and sellers were tasting the coffee sugar and other commodities they were trading to a world where now someone can trade across multiple markets and time zones from their kitchen table. From clattering telex machines to the silent blinking lights of the servers carrying out high frequency trading, we've heard how the advance of technology has utterly transformed the act of trading. But along with greater access to trading platforms and greater availability of information, comes the risk of retail traders entering blindly into situations where their capital is at risk. We've heard from Duncan the importance of research and testing when trading, both of which have become so much more simple given the tools we now have at our fingertips. As well as the huge upsides this technology has given to traders, we've heard how faster access to information and therefore also access to misinformation can affect the market in negative ways. Now, more than ever, it's up to us as traders to be wise in the ways that we use technology, ensuring that it serves our wider financial goals and helps us to avoid potential losses. Thanks for listening to Bright Minds from Tickmill. If you found these conversations useful, you can find us at youtube.com slash Let us know any comments or questions below the video or get in touch directly at podcasts at tickmill.com.